It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. It is official. Sunny Gray is a red. Welcome inside the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your second-hand expert, Jeff Carr. We're going to be talking about the finalized deal that the Reds made with the Yankees to bring Sonny Gray to Cincinnati. And we're also going to look at how that forms the rotation as a whole moving into spring training. But first... Be sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And also check us out on Twitter, at LockedOnReds, and at Jeff Carr, J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R. And look us up on the website at LockedOnReds.com. As we move closer to spring training, we're looking for some writers to fill out some content for us. If you are interested in that, check me out on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R and send me a message and we'll see what we can do about all that good stuff. But for right now, let's take a look at Sonny Gray. The Reds bring him in by trading away a prospect that I, I wouldn't call someone that is vital to the Reds' immediate future. And they are able to get a multi-year deal with Sonny Gray, which I think is really key here, especially when you're talking about adding him to a rotation of Alex Wood and Tanner Roark, who both have one-year deals. So the details of Sonny Gray's deal. This year was his last arbitration year. I believe he's going to be making $7.5 million after arbitration. I think he settled out of arbitration. Sorry, $7.5 million settled with the Yankees out of arbitration. And then the Reds signed a three-year extension for $30.5 million, so essentially $10 million a year from 2020 through 2022. And then there's a team option for 2023 that is valued at $12 million for that season. And there's a lot of incentives and other stuff in there, but essentially the Reds are getting him for what is reported as an average annual value of about $9.5 million if you include this year and the team option and all of that stuff included in. Devin Fink of SB Nation's Beyond the Box Score tweeted out some, you know, advanced mathematics on the deal. According to the values each and every year of Sonny Gray's contract, his baseline production in order to justify the amount of money that the Reds are putting into him, he essentially needs to produce 1.1 wins above replacement. Or he needs to be a little bit worse than what Matt Harvey was last year. And really thinking about that, that means that you can set his expectations pretty low. And in fact, uh, just to kind of tease an interview, so our phone it in Friday this week will be with Mo Egger. I actually just recorded that interview a few hours ago. And he 
mentioned, he's like, you know, I'm kind of going into this season with almost no expectations of Sonny Gray individually, because when you look at it, he had a struggle of a season in 2018 at a 4.9 ERA. And I know I've mentioned this a couple of times over the last week talking about Sonny Gray and how he's a comeback candidate. And I'm not going to continue to just repeat myself into a circle with this whole idea, but you look at the numbers and what the Reds gave up. I really feel like this is a good deal for the Reds and going into 2019, it solidifies the rotation. Does it make it an amazing rotation? No, it's, it's pretty okay. And I said that last night that you know, no one is going to put them at the top of the uh, league, maybe not even the top of the division as far as rotations go, but they're going to be solidly in the middle. And with their everyday eight, with their lineup, what the numbers are going to be able to put up, I think it's a pretty good deal. And according to Dick Williams, as he has said all offseason with each move they have made, he said in a conference call after the Sunny Gray news was broken that they're still not done. They're still looking at filling center field. They're still maybe looking at a bullpen arm or two. And if they can get a right deal for them, they're still looking at maybe another starting pitcher. So maybe the rumors aren't quite as fierce. I mean, the Sunny Gray rumors, and I was in a discussion on Twitter with someone about this earlier today, the Sunny Gray rumors were just all over the place. At one point, the Reds were getting a deal done, and then in the next point, they were not getting a deal done, and they were out. And then the next point, they were just pending a physical, and it was just crazy. I mean, there's so many tweets and this and that about rumors and stuff on MLB network and just you really didn't know what to do and you you were getting to the point where you're like hey let's just whatever it, it is what it is he's either going to be a red or he's not going to be a red thankfully he's a red now this does put the onus on the pitching coach staff of Derek Johnson and then uh, the bullpen coach Lee Tunnell and then guys like uh, Caleb Cotham going to be the you know, advanced analytics pitching coach kind of guy. These are the guys that will be, you know, a, kind of a corny way of saying they will be charged to rebuild Sonny Gray because there's some that really don't think that much of him after last season. And some are saying rebuild and all this other stuff, but they're almost writing him off. Now his splits from in Yankee Stadium compared to on the road are completely different. In fact, in 59 and a third innings at Yankee Stadium, he had a 6.98 ERA. He had allowed 11 home runs, and he had just 1.2 strikeouts to walks. So for every walk he had, he only had 1.2 strikeouts. So not great. And then on the road, he threw 71 innings pitched for a 3.1 ERA with only three homers, and he had three and a half strikeouts per walk. So just you know, night and day. And maybe, you know, there's always that shtick about, oh, once a player gets outside of New York, he just couldn't handle New York City. And so he gets outside there and he gets better. Eh, Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. That's not really something you could ever prove. But maybe that's the case for Sonny Gray. Maybe he comes to Cincinnati and remembers his, his former Oakland self. And that puts him right at the top of the rotation up there with Alex Wood. But we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to throw in a few ads here, and we're going to talk about the rotation as a whole 
once we come back from the break. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. It's the Taco Tuesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. We're looking at the addition of Sonny Gray and what it does to the rotation for 2019. Just as is, I'm not talking about any potential additions from here on out, but as is, the rotation looks pretty solid. Whenever you compare it to last season, where Luis Castillo led the rotation, led all of the pitching staff, at least according to fan graphs, in wins above replacement. Luis Castillo had a 1.9 war. And other than Matt Harvey, those two were the only starters to have a war above one. Whereas you're talking about the addition of Sonny Gray, Tanner Rourke, and Alex Woods. Sonny Gray's war last year was 1.7. Tanner Rourke's was 1.9, so he would have tied Luis Castillo. And then Alex Wood, his war was 2.6. And according to those numbers, from compare him to 2017, you know, two seasons ago, they were actually down. All three of those pitchers had a down year compared to their 2017 numbers. So when we look at Sonny Gray and we use the word comeback, we could just about use that for Tanner Rourke and Alex Wood as well. Both guys, or all three guys, have similar talents. You know, I mentioned they all three pitched to ground balls. They don't uh, like to walk a lot. They don't give up a lot of homers. And that's really what you need inside Great American Ballpark as a a kind of a category of, you know, kind of kind of a topic of conversation came up here lately with Great American Ballpark. And is it a deterrent for possible pitchers and free agent draws and stuff like that? And you know, maybe it is. I don't know so much as the ballpark as it is. Just the last couple of seasons have shown that the Reds aren't necessarily right there to be contenders. The team that they've assembled together right now is a pretty interesting team. They're re- they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be right around 500. Because something that James had mentioned last season and leading into last season, and something that Mo Egger, like I mentioned, he'll be on the show on Friday. He He's talked about a lot, too, coming into this season as well, is making that jump. They won 67 games last year. To make the jump to a playoff contending team, you're looking at at least 21 run difference from last year to this year. And that's probably the bare minimum because you're talking about the best division in baseball. They've got to be better than one of the Cubs, Brewers, or Cardinals. Now, you know, the Brewers could regress a little bit. That's not out of the realm of possibility, but the Brewers are still a very good team. We're not talking about a fluke thing. I don't think this is like what happened with the Kansas City Royals a few years back where they make the World Series. They have a very strong season. They go to the World Series, and then all of a sudden they're back to obscurity. I don't think the Brewers go back to obscurity very quickly. I think they're built to last at the top of this division. Then you have the Cardinals. They had a pretty decent year last year, and they got better. They added Andrew Miller and Paul Goldschmidt. So they're lo- you know the Reds are looking up at them, as much as I hate to say that, because you know, that's our hated rival. And then the Cubs. They didn't get worse. And you know, there's a lot of rumors that maybe they would add Bryce Harper, and that hasn't happened, but... And Chris Bryant had some impassioned interview where he said that their team is fine enough without him and all of this other stuff. And, you know, if uh, that was a red saying that, and, you know, I'd be all jazzed up about that. But, 
you know, whatevs. Those three guy, those three teams are still ahead of the Reds, and really the Pirates. Just on paper, right now, I say the Reds and the Pirates are probably right there. They're both five hundred type teams. They don't have a division like the AL Central or something like that, where everyone except the team that won had a losing record. It's just not that way. They're going to have a huge mountain to climb in those top three guys. So the rotation, while it is improved, it's not improved enough that you can say, hey, playoffs. In fact, there's an article on ESPN.com that Dave Schoenfeld wrote about the Reds getting Sonny Gray and how it makes them more interesting. You you put it all together with the moves that they've done. It makes them more interesting, but the Reds still need a lot to go right to contend in 2019, Dave Schoenfield said. He said, quote, they need Gray and Rourke to pitch better than they did last season, and they need Luis Castillo to break out, and Joey Votto to rediscover his power, and Jesse Winker to play a full season with a 405 on base percentage, and Amir Garrett to emerge as a dominant lefty in the pen, and Puig not to get bored away from the Los Angeles limelight, which that last part, um, you know, can't really speak to that, but I feel like Puig is, at least right now, he's in it and he's ready to be a Red. I'm not going to doubt that, but the other stuff, he's right. The Reds don't have that dominant lefty reliever, and if Amir Garrett can become that, then that makes them super interesting. But he closes out his article by saying this, at least it will be fun to watch all of this unfold. Now, go out and get Pollock and Kluber. And maybe the Reds are still in the play for both those guys. You know, Dick Williams, like I said in his conference call, he mentioned that they're still in on improving the team. They're still looking to make moves. They're, they don't feel as if they're done. A.J. Pollock is still out there waiting to be signed by a team. And the Reds, while we can talk about it be nice and you th- you could kind of see this guy or that guy playing center field or, you know, maybe Nick Senzel works out in center field or something like that. It'd be better to have a proven guy like Pollock at least there. But I at least look at this team and obviously this thought is going to be a lot more fleshed out in the weeks to come as we're still a little under a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting and spring training games are over a month away. So I'll have plenty more time to articulate this right. But in my mind, this team is interestingly 500. I put that poll up on the Lockdown Reds account last week and over, um, you know, we, we had, we had a good turnout for the voting, but an overwhelming majority picked interestingly 500. So everyone is kind of on the same page with where they're looking for 2019 to end up. No one's saying that this has to be a playoff team, but everybody is intrigued. You know, I was listening to Mo Egger's show on ESPN 1530 today, and there was a caller that called in and said that he and his son, you know, he even, he even prefaced his call by saying that he's not a huge baseball guy. And he he thinks the Sonny Gray trade is interesting, but he doesn't really know much about it. But he and his son are ready to get tickets. They're ready to come out and uh, watch the game. And that's what this is about. That's what this whole offseason is about, is waking up the Reds' fan base. This season, and like I said, I'm going to flesh this thought out a lot more in the weeks to come, but this season is the first step. I know 
James mentioned last year was a table setting season and they kind of failed at that. They didn't really get the table set and ready to go for this year. This year is that first step. They take a big step. They get to 500 in 2019. Maybe they have a stretch or two over the season where you're like, hey, they're in first place or they're really close to first place. They're really knocking on the door of the Cubs and the Cardinals. And, you know, you've got Yadier Molina and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Christian Yelich and these guys in post-game interviews going, well, hey, you know, these Reds, they're not so bad. Stuff like that. That's what I'm looking for in 2019. If they don't make the playoffs, it's not going to kill me. I'm looking more for the playoffs in 2020. But with Sonny Gray and with the rotation that the Reds have built, I think right now they are there. With Dick Williams saying that they're going to go for more, who knows? Maybe they become a playoff team. But right now, I'm happy. You look at all the moves that they've made. They've really made you want to go to the ballpark. And that's been the big picture. Going into Wednesday's show, we're going to talk more about what I'm seeing from this offseason. I'm going to take a look at some statistics. And we're going to have, uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be some more news to talk about. But thanks for listening to the Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for bearing with my voice here. I'm kind of going through some sinus stuff still. But uh, appreciate you downloading and listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.